I want to sing a, a testimony to what Red said right there. I remember the night at the end of my road in a motel in Nashville, a searching for hope. In my hand was a Bible I read as a child. On the table was a bottle that was driving me wild and I poured the whiskey into a glass I prayed it would help me forget my past then I read how Jesus he died on the tree I poured out the whiskey and fell down on my knees. That night, old Jack Daniels met John 3:16. God's word broke the hold that it had over me. Traded Tennessee whiskey for Calvary's tree. The night old Jack Daniels met John 3:16. When I see those old friends that I used to know down at the old place where I used to go. They tell me I'm different than I used to be. And I love to tell them what happened to me. That night old Jack Daniels met John 3:16. God's word broke the hold that it had over me. Traded Tennessee whiskey for Calvary's tree. The night old Jack Daniels met John 3:16. The night old Jack Daniels met John 3:16. Hallelujah. Pastor Joshua asked me to speak on evangelism. This, uh, I'm going to do one more song. It's called Outlaw's Reward. I don't know, uh, Red kind of said it right. I was an outlaw, but now I'm an in-law. Every family has outlaws, but they're always welcome back. I've always been labeled as a rip-roaring, hell-raising kind. But it seems here lately I've got other things on my mind Like living and dying Where I'll spend eternity What kind of reward, Jesus 
you got on me Down here on earth There's a big price on my head I wondered if my friends and my loved ones Will cry when I'm dead Cause I heard we'll all sing along From the other side I've heard we're all wanted Behind the big pearly gates in the sky Oh, what kind of reward, Jesus, have you got on me? I wonder how the words on my big wanted poster do read And oh how I'd love to be taken in your custody What kind of reward Jesus you got on me What kind of reward Jesus you got on me. Amen. Am I on live now? How many know God is a good God? In spite of us. Amen. How many know God is a God of many chances? He doesn't give up on you when you blow it once, blow it twice. And uh, I was a man that blew it many, many times. And uh, an area of uh, failure in my life that I'd had for some time was in relationships. And uh, I had been married and it didn't work. And I was completely convinced I'd be single the rest of my life. And uh, to be honest with you, I was satisfied with that at that moment in time. But I was praying one day, I said, Lord... I've been successful about everything that I've applied myself to because of your giftings and grace, but I've been a failure in relationship, and I don't want to leave the world a failure at anything. So if you've got one of your girls out there that can match up with my weird ways, <laughs> you bring her, because I'm not dating and I'm not looking. You bring her. Well, my wife now, she'd been a part of the Cowboy Church for six or seven years, and I'd always admired her for her transition in life and how that she had changed from what she was to who she is. But I'd never seen her in the eyes of romance until one day we were riding horses. And she had never been married, been very independent, don't need a guy for anything. She can do it all. That's a good thing. <laughs> God is a good God. He's good. But we were riding along, and I was, all of a sudden I got to thinking about her, and uh, the Lord began to speak to me. So I called her over. I said, Susan, I want to talk to you. And so she rode over there, and I said, Susan, I want to tell you something. You don't have to be independent and strong and all that kind of stuff. I said, you know, if uh, God wanted you to be a man, he had created that way. He made you a woman. I said, I want you to think about that. You don't have to prove yourself to me or anybody else by being that way. So she thanked me and just started riding off. And all of a sudden, I was sitting there looking at her and goes, she is a woman. <laughs> now, I'm a get-her-done sort of guy. 
And so a month later, we were married. I'd like to introduce my wife. Susan, would you stand up? I want to tell you something. If you need prayer of any kind, that woman right there and that little one that God throwed in, I want to tell you, God is a God of more than enough. Now, he gave me her, and then a year, a little over a year later, 58 years old, I have my first daughter. She's running around here somewhere, Natalie Rose, but those two ladies, I guarantee you, I want them praying for me. If I got crises going on, if I got anything going on, there's a tremendous anointing of healing in those two girls, so keep that in mind. Now, I want to set some of you free. Uh, some people struggle about hats in church. Now, this is the Word of God. This is not Tom. You can find it in Exodus 28, verse 40. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for their glory and their beauty. So now, I can be free to wear my hat in church. It doesn't offend God. I'm sure it won't offend you, but I am honored and privileged to be able to speak from this pulpit. Like Red said, I'm living in the house that I grew up in. I was born on the property where I live in Harrisburg 63 years ago. I've uh, had one church for 32 years. That's right here. So my roots go deep. I don't spread out too far. Mine go deep. But I'm honored to be behind this pulpit that my pastor, uh, John Bowers, uh, started some years ago, and John was the one that was vital in me being saved to this day. John is the one that spoke words into my heart that said that Jesus loved me when I was still full of hell. He didn't start loving me when I got on my knees and got saved at Red's house. He loved me before the foundation of the world, but no one had ever shared that with me. I was always told I was going to hell. And telling people they're going to hell is not good news. We're supposed to share the gospel of good news. But I want to encourage these young people and these young dancers and this young group right here. About 53 years ago, in a little church over in Harrisburg, I was standing about right here. The evangelist was preaching right there. I was 10 years old at the time. Loved Jesus. I was here worshiping the Lord with my hands lifted in the air. And... Uh, I didn't see it, didn't know it, but there was pools of oil in my hands, and that evangelist seen them. And he came and got me, started looking at my hands, and he began prophesying over my life that God was going to use me and healing and deliverance and such and so forth. Now, there were three people or personalities that heard that prophecy. God, the devil, and my mama. Now, whenever you have giftings, I'm speaking to you young children, young, not children, young warriors, the enemy knows that. He knows the potential that God has put in you, and he's going to do everything he can to snatch that. And the number one thing he uses right today, and I want to give you this as a, an admonition, not a warning, but I want to encourage you, he will use peer pressure. Because back in my day, when I started growing up, I was an athlete, 
And uh, so because I was an athlete, I didn't drink or anything like that. Because back then, if you got caught, you're done. You're, you're, you're off the team. So I didn't do it. All my friends were sneaking around drinking beer and, and all kind of stuff. They kept wanting me to go. But I kept resisting. No, I'm not going to do that. It's not, worth the, it's not worth it. And at that time, I had drifted from church and from God a little bit. So I, I wasn't at my, my strongest. Then in between my junior and senior year on a summer night, I wanted to be with them, my friends. They kept, come on, Tom, come on, man, we're going to go out. So I did. I went out north of Harrisburg on a Malpas Lane, and I drank the nastiest stuff you could ever think of drinking, old Blitz beer. <laughs> it stunk so stinking bad I had to hold my nose to drink it. <laughs> I drank two cans of beer, just wanted to be with my friends and have fun. I remember crawling down the ditch, throwing up. It made me sick. Now, I didn't know that those two cans of beer was going to lead me to 12 years of hard alcoholism, drug abuse, violence, divorce, destruction of my family name, all kinds of... That wasn't in the plan. I just wanted to go have fun with my friends. I want to encourage you guys, don't compromise. Don't compromise. I want to tell you something. You guys got a good shot at this thing. Because if you got more Jesus in you than they, your friends got the devil in them, you will control the atmosphere. You will control the atmosphere. So I want to encourage you, do not compromise. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to speak to, uh, today out of Isaiah chapter uh, 55 to begin with. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. I want you to catch that. Return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And our God and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Aren't you happy about that? That God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways? I am so grateful for that. I have come to realize that there's more grace in God's heart than there is sin and wickedness in the heart of men. There's more grace in the heart of God he doesn't judge men and women like we do. We judge and look at their performance. And whenever we're looking at performance, we'll always come up short because we cannot match up. But God, in his grace, does not look at our performance. He looks at the performance of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was perfect. And when we're walking in that understanding of grace, and we don't have to perform for our Father. We don't have to try to win his affection. It's already done. It's already ours. And what he has called us to do is to share that with the people that don't know it. I tell people when I'm out and about in the evangelistic world, most people are trying to get people saved here at church. Well, that's like fishing in the bathtub. <laughs> there ain't many fish in the bathtub. The fish are out there. That's where we be fishing is out there. 
Church should never be a place to get people saved. I mean, it's okay. I'm not saying you don't, but this is not the salvation place here. I bet if I went around here, you might find one or two, or maybe at the most, that's not already made Jesus Lord of their life. So I can preach salvation and preach evangelism all I want in here, but it ain't going to do no good until we get it out there. The problem that we have, do you know that God has a problem? He's also got a weakness. Have you ever thought about that? God does have a weakness. His memory. He said, I will never remember your sins again. Isn't that cool? But he's also got a problem. He's got this message of salvation, this message of grace, this message of love, and it's all in you and me. His problem is, is getting it out of you and me into them out there. Are you hearing me? The message of the gospel is in us. And he is depending on you and I to get it done. Now, I want to continue on here just for a moment. My thoughts are not your thoughts, in verse 8, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. I told my wife one day, I said, was going to Eugene. We had an appointment in there on Charlton and 8th Street. Driving down 99 Highway, and all of a sudden she turns on Beltline. Going that way. I thought, why are you going this way? And she said, well, I'm going to, the, to our apartment. I said, well, it's just straight down the road to the right. We're going out Coburg Road. And, but I got to thinking, well, we'll get there. It's not worth arguing over. So I told her, I said, baby, I'm so proud of you. I said, you're getting to be more like God every day. Because your thoughts are not my thoughts. And your ways are not my ways. Praise God. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. The word of God is seed for the sower. The word of God is to be spread out to the lost, to bring them in. And it's also to bring in for the eater, to make for your personal provision, the word of God. It will not return to him void. For my word shall, that goes forth from my mouth shall not return to me void. In other words, it will not return empty and powerless. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things which I sent. It will prosper in the things which I sent. Now God's plan has never changed, and it never will change. His plan is that every man, woman, and child come to know him. That was his plan from the beginning, and it hasn't changed yet. But he has commissioned us, his church, to be that messenger of hope on the earth. Now, why don't we do that? Why do we struggle with that? Our number one thing is the fear of man. We fear what they'll think about us if we go tell them about Jesus. We worry about this and we worry about that. 
so consequently, we don't do anything. I want to talk to us today about the baptism and the power of the Holy Ghost. That is what we desperately need right now is the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I say this with grace because I'm a Pentecostal, born, bred, tongue-talking, all of that. But we've missed it in a, to a degree because we feel sometimes that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is just speaking in tongues or twitching or flopping. That that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's all a part of it. But that's not the essence of it. Right up there is the essence of it. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That you shall be witnesses under the earth. Now we're not impressing people of the unsaved kind with twitching and flopping. Trust me. I took a heathen buddy of mine to this deal one time and there was all kinds of stuff going on. He had never been to church. And he leaned over to me and goes, what are we watching? <laughs> I said, I don't know. It didn't impress him. But what impressed him was seeing the real deal. He seen the real deal. There was a lady who came out when it was out at the livestock auction. She had uh, cancer. It was terminal. And she called me on the phone. It was on a Tuesday. And she, uh, she said, would you pray for me? I've got, I can't remember what kind of cancer it was. It don't matter. I said, well, let me ask you something. Can you believe when I lay my hands on you, God's going to heal you? She goes, yes. I said, well, I'll pray for you. You'll be at church tonight. It was outside, out in front of the livestock barn. She came up, and I walked out there to her. I reached out. To, I had my ring on this finger, my left hand. And I reached out to touch her, and there was a little blue arc of like electricity shot out of my ring finger and hit her right behind the ear. And I thought I stepped on an electric cord, because I felt it too. It kind of shocked me. And I looked down to see if I shorted out or something. And I was just standing on the, on the blacktop. But she'd been healed ever since. See, so he's seen that. He's seen that power and ability and efficiency, and it changed his world. Are you hearing me tonight? Many of us don't understand. You can turn with me to, over to the book of Acts. That just getting saved is not the, uh, the full meal deal. How many like a full meal deal? Amen. Well, God wants Christ Center and Cowboy Church to have, and every other church for that matter, the full meal deal. Many people, when they get saved, they think that they've got the Holy Ghost. And they do. The minute you accept Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit moves in on the inside of you, and you're saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Heaven is your destiny. But until you receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you're still basically like you was before you were saved. You knew Jesus, you loved Jesus, but you don't have the power and ability. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was sitting right there. Pastor John Bowers walked over to me and said, Tom, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost? No. He said, well, you need to be. Okay. 
I'm open. So he prayed with me and asked Jesus to baptize me because Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He's the one. So I asked Jesus to fill me, baptize me. Didn't feel a thing. I didn't twitch. I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't feel nothing. But what I did is I believed I received it. I believed I received it. I believed I received power. The evidence came about a week later. Now, I wasn't a preacher then or anything. I was just coming to church here, and I was working down at Georgia Pacific, and there was a, a friend of mine. His, uh, I called him Apples. He used to work for Dietering's Orchards out there. He did all the pruning and the picking for Dietering's Orchards. His name was Don Peterson, I believe was his name. But they found him out there in his cabin, and he'd been in there for days and days and days in a coma. When they found him, they took him to the hospital, and he was completely, his stomach was completely ate up with cancer and gone. And they, he was not supposed to live any time. Well, I got word that he was there in that condition. So I took off right after work, had him old work clothes on. I went to the hospital, and I went in there, and I said, I, he was in ICU. I said, I, I want to see Don Peterson. They said, are you family? I said, no. Well, we can't uh, let anybody in the family. I said, ma'am. You've got to let me in that room because if he dies, he's going to go to hell. He's my friend. You've got to let me in that room. And she goes, are you a minister? And I says, no, ma'am. But in this case, yes, I am. You've got to let me in that room. <laughs> well, about that time, the doctor showed up. And the nurse talked to him. He said, I guess they figured it was, wasn't going to make any difference either way. So I went in there, and I'd never seen anybody in this condition before. I mean, he had tubes going every which way. I, I just told him, I said, Don, you look like a carburetor or something, man, because <laughs> I didn't want to, I never seen nobody like that before, you know, but, but I told him, he, he couldn't talk to me, but I told him, Don, I didn't come here to visit. God witnessed to him before. He was 72 years old. He told me, I ain't done sinning. I said, my God, you're 72. How much more sinning you got on your mind, man? <laughs> that was before he was sick. So I walked in, I said, Don, I'm not here to visit, man. I'm here because you're right on the door of eternity. You've got to accept Jesus. I want you in heaven with me, man. Will you accept Jesus? And uh, he stuck this thing, a sucker thing, so he could kind of, I just got my ear down where I could listen to him. He goes, yeah. So I prayed with him, the, the sinner's prayer, and he got saved. And this was on a Monday. And Red and Kenny uh, will witness this. On Wednesday, we went back to the hospital to see somebody else. So I thought, well, I'm going to go back up to the ICU, check on apples. So I went up there to the nurse. I said, uh, I'd like to see uh, Don Peterson. Well, he's gone. I go, well, praise God. I got him just in time. He's in heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He said, he's down in room 357. <laughs> I went down there, and there he's sitting up in bed. Hello, Tommy. <laughs> I mean... Now, what I'm saying is, there is no way in the world I could have done that in the natural me. Go into a hospital and tell a nurse, you got to let me in that ICU because that guy's going to go to hell if I don't get in there. It ain't going to happen. How did I do that? You shall receive power. You shall receive power to overcome your inhibitions. You will receive power to overcome fear. Because I want to tell you something that will set you free. You're not responsible for how people respond. You are responsible to take the message. 
Just like I told John. He came to me and said, Tom, you need to get saved. I said, I like drinking beer and raising hell, John. He said, don't let that keep you out of heaven. <laughs> now, see, I responded negative. It didn't affect him a bit. And he done what he was supposed to do. He took that word that came down from heaven that not will return void and put it in my heart. That was a seed he planted. I want to tell you something. Every word you speak to somebody about the word of God, they can't forget it. I tried for years to forget stuff. I was under such guilt and condemnation. There's cases and cases of booze and drugs and dope and everything floating out in the Pacific Ocean somewhere. And I go down there on the river and throw it in there and cry and bawl and squall because I kept hearing things my mama said. I kept hearing things that if you got to pray in mama, like he said, if you're a little heathen like I was, give it up. Save yourself a lot of heartache and misery. Just find the closest Christian. Get saved. Because it's going to happen whether you like it or not. Because God said anything you ask in that name, I will do it. I used to go down there and, and I'd tell the Lord, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll do it. Then tomorrow would come and I'd put my macho mask back on and try to put it out of my mind. And I could do that for a season. At night is when the Holy Spirit's really nasty. <laughs> You're laying there all by yourself. There he is. Those words kept coming back. Come on, Tom. I've called you. Come on, Tom. Whenever you're praying for your loved ones or family, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is invading their space. They might fight it and they might put on all the stuff, but I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is invading their space. Now, all I ask of us, do we have courage enough to go see Grandpa? Do we have courage enough to go see our boss? Do we have courage enough to share this good news with people and not worry about whether they receive it or don't? You have to be wise when you're sharing the Lord with people. If you're walking up to a stranger, you don't say, you've been washed in the blood? Well, they're going to think you're a fruitcake. You've got to be wise. Ask a question. Down at the Starbucks, ask a question. Hey, one thing you can, you can do, I, I don't know this gentleman here, but can I ask you a question? See how easy that was? I got his permission. Can I ask you a question? When they say, yeah. Say, have you ever had any experience with God? And then, well, was it good or bad? Tell me about it. One of your best witnessing tools is to listen. I've had people come in my office, and I just sit there. They, they just come in, and they share a little bit. Pretty soon, they spilled the whole beans. I mean, I know the history of their grandma. Not a lot of them, but just sit there and listen. Are you hearing me tonight? We've got to get the message of the gospel out. There was a man named Peter. I want to give you an example of a lot of us in this group. A man named Peter walked with Jesus, slept with Jesus, fished with Jesus, Seen all the stuff, did some of the stuff. Even made the pronouncement, I will die with you. And Jesus spoke to him, he said, Peter, I know you mean well, but you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows this day. Peter, he couldn't buy into that. But we know the story. It happened. He even 
was fearful of a little slave girl to identify himself with Jesus. He said, I don't know him. Even cursed. Here was a man that walked with him, slept with him, spent the time with him. But yet when the heat was on, denied he even knew him. So when he realized that, he went and wept bitterly when he heard that rooster crow because he remembers. And I want to read you something from the same man. In Acts chapter 3. Peter and John had just healed a lame man on the front porch of the church. Caused quite a stir. He said, now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. And all the people ran together to them on the porch, which is called Solomon's, and greatly were amazed. Then Peter saw it, and he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us, as though it was by our power or godliness that made this man walk? For the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate, and was determined to let who was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses. Now, does this sound like the same guy that was scared of a little slave girl? He's talking to the rulers and the nation of Israel fearlessly. What was the difference? He was saved. He got saved back in the very beginning. But he didn't have the power to stand up and testify about God. Until what? Until they got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that I wanted to share today is, is the key deal. I'm going to read to you from the book of Acts chapter 1 to give you a clear understanding that there is another event that happens in the Christian life. And it's just not all about speaking in tongues. There's denominations that make a whole doctrine on speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, that's bunk. I got filled with the Holy Ghost right there, and it was almost three weeks later before tongues hit me. And I wasn't in church. I was working on the job. And I thought I lost my mind. Because all of a sudden I started speaking in tongues, working on the job. And then I realized what it was. And I have been speaking in tongues ever since. I don't make a big show of it. I don't make a big to-do of it. But it's the power of God working in me to help me be able to do what I do. And it works the same for you. It said after in verse 1, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. Now, these people were already saved. They were disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, he's asking them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved? And this is what they said. We have not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said to him, into John's baptism for repentance. And Paul said to them, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who came after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. 
That's when they received the power to go out and do the stuff they did. And if you want to be the witness that God calls us to be, you have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you won't. It's as simple as that. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what is a witness? All a witness is, if you're called or subpoenaed to court, is to tell what you know. You don't have to know the whole case. What do you know? What has Jesus done for you? What is your story? God wants you to tell your story to people. Jesus was a storyteller. He told stories. He told parables. What is your story? The gospel is his story. What is yours? I got saved in 1980. Well, that's good. What's your story between 1980 and 2013? God has called us to be combat warriors. He calls some of us to be special ops. Going in behind enemy territories. The question he's asking, he leaves it open. Which do you choose? Which do you choose? Well, I've told people, honestly, if just going to church was all there was, I'd have probably quit. But I found out something about the kingdom. That's where these young people are finding out about the kingdom. The kingdom is not about coming in this room. That's a part of it. But the kingdom is going out and engaging the enemy, snatching souls out of the hell and populating heaven. I found out that there's more to this thing called Christianity than just coming to church. It's getting in the action. Ed Gillespie, most of you know him, uh, was in Thailand over there and, and he had a dream that we were to go in these Hindu temples, these Buddhist temples and all them other temples and defile those idols that uh, they were worshiping. And uh, God said, whatever you do in the natural, I'll do in the spirit. And in the dream, I was supposed to go with him. There was four of us going to go do this. Well, I got pumped up. I said, come on, man, let's get it, let's do it. Well, then this other elder at that time who had had experience over there freaked him out. You can't do that. They'll kill you. Man, they, if they catch you, you're dead. You'll vanish off the face of the earth. Well, all of a sudden, my faith took a dive. I never thought of that. <laughs> I just wanted to get in there and get some action. So I shared it with Red. Red, he said, makes me mad. What? He goes, I'm not in it. I want to go. So my faith came back up again. God told us, go get pure olive oil. It's got to be pure. We hunted all over Bangkok, finally found some olive oil. Ever, everybody over there, especially Caucasians, carry water because it's hotter. I mean, if hell is hotter than that, I, it's hot. So you carry water in a plastic bag. So we went and found a, a squirt gun thing like a Windex deal, we filled that oil in that squirt bottle. God told us to put the oil on our face, rub our faces. And he said, it'll be like you're invisible. 
And the plan, God gave a detailed plan. I had this big old camera, one of the first camcorders that came out. It looked like a TV camera now. I had this thing, and uh, my job was to go in there and distract them soldiers because they had those machine guns and every one of those things. All those soldiers were armed with those AK-47, whatever they were. And uh, the little girl that we were with was supposed to be like a tour guide, and we had this evangelist uh, from uh, Indiana or wherever he was. Where was Mitch from? Huh? Nebraska. His job was just to pray. My job was to be a distraction to the soldiers. And Ed's job was to go up there and blast that idol with that oil. So we went in. I got my camera. Everything's gone over there and I'm starting talking. Well, all of a sudden these guys are coming over to me. Well, I gave Ed a shot. Man, he went in there and blasted that big old Buddha thing. Big old Buddha. We just went on about and went out. We went to three or four those Buddhist temples and did that. Everything was cool. When I was in that Buddhist place, I didn't feel much. I mean, there was no, you couldn't feel anything. That's like here, any evil. But when we went in that Hindu deal, that's a different game. I could feel wickedness in this place. I could feel something powerful in this place. And where this particular idol was, there was four ways that these people would crawl in on their hands and knees and on their belly and go up there and offer food and money to this idol. But there were four entrances to it. And the people were just packed in there waiting for their turn to get up there. To, and they're not doing it because they want to. They're doing it out of fear. Because they've been told if they don't, then the demons and all kinds of stuff is going to get on them. So they're doing that just out of fear. Well, Ed couldn't get a, a good shot with all these people. Well, I made the mistake. Now, trust me, my evangelist is over here praying by the door. I forgot to take, because I wasn't really filming, I was just being a distraction. I forgot my, my lens cap was on my camera. So all of a sudden, they realized something's up. Well, Ed ran in and finally got a quick shot, but the evangelist seen that we were caught. And our courageous little prayer warrior, he shoots out. I mean, he's just gone. So Ed and I, we're trying to make our way out the door. And I know we're caught because we could hear them yelling and ranting and raving and everything. And so my game plan was, the first one that touches me is going to eat this camera. <laughs> but I'm headed for the door or the gate to get out back out into the streets. And, and the evangelist was out there in the crowd, blended in. And he told us as they were running, it said it was like they hit a brick wall. Just boom, just stopped. And we just went on out into the crowd, went on because God honored his word. He said he would protect us. That's kingdom stuff. That's fun stuff. That's way more fun than coming to church and some of this stuff. Getting involved in the kingdom. Every one of us, I, I say this respectfully. I, I want to I be open and transparent. Uh, 20 some odd years ago, maybe longer than that, I did a flop right here. I can't even remember who it was. They were praying for me and they're pushing on me pushing on me, wanting me to fall down. Well, it wasn't more the Holy Ghost and a billy goat, you know, but it was just pushing on me. And I figured, I was getting mad, to be honest with you. So I thought, well, I better fall down here before I do something I embarrass myself or whoever. So I just flopped on the floor. They caught me and laid me down there. I'm laying there and I'm going, God, if you don't kill me for what I just did, I will never, ever fake nothing again the rest of my life. If you don't strike me dead for just that very deal right there. 
And I went for 20 some odd years. And I'm, I've been around that and I believe in it. And I know it's real. But it just never was happening to me. And then that little black girl that was here a couple weeks ago, she came. That was the farthest thing. I don't know how many of you were here, but she asked, is there any evangelists? And I said, well, I'm an evangelist, so I'm going to go up there and get prayed for. I walked up here somewhere, and she came up and started to lay her hands on me, and man, that, I mean, just, it was lights out. Boom. I, I don't even know what happened. That was not on my game plan. <laughs> but I kept hearing this voice. You're going to be my witness. You're going to be my witness. You're going to be my witness. My question is, when we get slain in the Spirit, is it just a thing? Or are we going to rise up from being slain in the Spirit with a direction from the Holy Spirit? Because if we're not getting a direction from the Holy Spirit, it's just fun to do, but there's no fruit in it. There's no value in it. Are you hearing me? And I'm all for, I'm not knocking, you know, the thing, but I'm, I'm to the point where I want the real deal. I want the real Jesus. I want the real Holy Ghost. And where he is, there's power. Whenever the power of the Holy Ghost is being revealed and demonstrated, you can take all your signs down. You can take all your advertisements off the wall because people are going to come. They're going to come. When they hear, man, there's a place on 530 West 7th Street that their people are getting healed of cancer, diabetes, blind eyes is opening. All this, that's happening. It'll spread like wildfire. Why? Because people are desperate right now. They're desperate right now. They're looking. But what are they looking to? They're looking to us. What have we got to give them? What do we have to give them? We can't give them something we don't have. That's why God is calling us, his church. He's a church, rise up now. Now is the time. Write another chapter in your story. Every day, you should be able to write a little bit more in your story that you're able to share with someone else. Someone asked me, do you believe in healing? Do I believe in healing? Well, since you ask me, I don't just believe it. I know it. How can you be so sure? Because I was crippled, and now I'm not. That's how I know. I was crippled, now I'm not. Doctors couldn't help me. All they told me that you're just going to have to live with it. That's not good news. You're going to have to live with this thing. Walking like this when you're 30-something years old. I made a quality decision. I'm going to believe the word of the Lord. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what my body says. I'm going to believe the word of the Lord. That says that by his stripes, I am healed. It said that believers can lay hands on me and I will be covered. It said I can call for the elders of the church to anoint me and the prayer of faith will raise me up. I chose to believe that. For a year, I believed that, still hobbling around. Then laying on the floor right over there on a Wednesday night, a man named Robin Lamb, he came up to me and said, Tom, can I pray for you, man? He said, it breaks my heart seeing you hobbling around a young man. Can I pray for you? Sure, man. 
And he laid down on his face and just reached out and grabbed me by the feet because I was crippled in my feet. Grabbed me by the ankles and he began to weep and cry and pray. And he was so sincere, I was expecting to get healed. But it didn't happen. Then the very next day, I went to work. And the, what, the thing I had was when you get off your feet, take the pressure off, all the tendons in the bottom of your feet draw up real tight. And then when you stand back up again, it starts ripping and it feels like you got a fire on the bottom of your feet until they kind of stretch out. It's called Rider's Syndrome was the name of it. And uh, I'd have to stand there for a little bit and hold myself, the weight on my arms to kind of let my feet get taken care of. Then I'd walk back out to my job. Well, that particular day, I think Larry was working on my crew. I walked all the way from the break room to the back out to the job before I realized my feet weren't hurting. I went, my feet? My feet? And I, I had a runoff. I mean, because it was done. It was over. Never had no pain since. But I made a quality choice. I am going to make the Word of God the final solution in my life. I don't care what happens. The Word of God is going to dictate my life. I made that decision. If you've never made Jesus, this great God is so merciful, He'll allow someone like me to preach here. He's here for you today. He loved you before the foundations of the world. He's got a good deal for you, and it's all there for you to take. It's been paid for. Jesus paid the full price. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. All you can do is say, yes, I want to receive this, this gift of eternal life. Jesus said, if you believe that he is the Christ, you believe that God raised him from the dead, and you will confess that with your mouth, you believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. All God is asking is, will you receive it? I want to give you that. If you're here today and you've never done this, I want to ask you to listen to your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray it with me. And if you don't mean it, don't pray it, because it'll do you no value. But if you do mean it, it'll change your life forever. I'm living proof. Would you pray with me, those that can? Jesus, I do believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe you died on the cross. God raised you from the dead. I'm a sinner, and I repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior. For with my mouth, I do confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the most important question, did anybody pray that for the first time here today that's never prayed that before? Would you be bold enough to raise your hand? Is there anybody that's never prayed that before? See, we got a lot of fishing to do. See, all these are caught. I want to I share something with you. You don't need to be here. I want to share this with you. You don't need to be here. You've already got it. It's those people out there that need to be here. 
That's our job is to go get it. I want to share with you one last thing. Come on, girls. I was down at the river where I pray a lot. And I said, God, you call me to be a fisher of men, and I ain't catching nothing. I've been fishing, not catching anything. And he spoke a profound word to me. Change your bait. Change your bait. Are you not catching any fish? Change your bait. Change your approach. Change your joy. Change your excitement level. How many remember when you first got saved how excited you was? That excitement is what got a lot of people saved. Then you kind of get into the doldrums of church. God is saying, shake it off. Get that excitement of the kingdom back in that people see, man, I want some of that stuff. They don't need to see frowny, whiny faces. They need to see the joy and the power of God in all of us. And that's our choice. So go ahead, girls, worship God.
Juan. What you just witnessed is what goes on in heaven whenever a person says yes to Jesus. So you got to see this. That's what's going on around the throne every time someone gets saved. I want to leave you with this. It's a challenge that God gives us. He's telling us, he said, I want you to make me wealthy. I want you guys to make me wealthy. You might ask, if he owns all the gold on a, and silver on the earth and all the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him already, how are you going to make him wealthy? And the Lord will speak to us, he said, with souls. His wealth is measured in souls. Will you make me wealthy? There's a, in Braveheart, William was there, and the king, he said, he would ask, who would carry the king's heart into battle? He said, I will. I will carry the king's heart. The question is, will we carry our king's heart of love into the battleground? The battleground is when we hit the streets today. The battleground is at Starbucks. The battleground is on your workplace. Will you carry the heart of your king into battle?